You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George, which is from our sermon series, Christmas at Creekside. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Okay, how many of you guys brought your Bible? Raise it up high. You brought your Bible today. All right, how, who today brought their Bible for the first time this week because you felt a little guilty last week? Just Leon? Is that Leon? Hey, you know what? Come here, Leon. Yeah, come here. You, I'm going to give, yeah. Marty, can you grab that? We got something for you. Just to say, way to go. It's a, it's a pre-made gingerbread mansion. So, now I know what some of you all are thinking, oh, he's going to give out prizes for bringing your Bible, and if I bring my Bible next week, I'm going to get a prize. No, 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 that doesn't happen that way. Uh, You know, bringing your Bible doesn't equate to getting uh, a prize, Uh, bringing your Bible equates to possible life transformation because you're putting a priority on it. Not that you can't get the transformative Word of God through your digital Bible app. That's all good. But the reason that I'm putting an emphasis on our, the Bible, because really it's just what? It's, it's pleather, paper, and ink, right? Uh, and some of you have the more spiritual Bible that's actual leather and King James. But um, it's, uh, it, it's because we... Here's what we're going to do in, in the beginning of the year. I, I want to put a high priority on, on biblical, uh, biblical literacy because I think it lacks a little bit. And there's many of us who've been walking with Jesus for years that haven't cracked open our word. And we're going we're gonna to spend some concentrated, intentional time in the new year uh, digging into God's word and allowing it to change us from the inside out. Uh, and we're going to, yeah, that should, I'm, I'm with you, Eve. So start bringing your Bible. You know, some of you, oh, that's old school. Some of you go, well, what's an actual Bible? Uh, start bringing it, and uh, who knows, maybe, maybe uh, next week we'll give something else, uh, uh, something else away for those who bring their Bible for the first time. All right, uh, you guys ready to get into it? We actually got into it with the devotion. I want to thank uh, Pastor Aaron and Jacob for leading us uh, in the devotional, Advent devotional today. We're talking about joy. And, and, you know, you're familiar with the phrase, joy to the world, right? I mean, after all, it's almost Christmas. And it's not because it's almost Christmas that, that we get excited. And, you know, it's not necessarily because we're getting stuff, although some people may get excited about getting some stuff. Joy to the world. Why? I don't think it's not, it's not necessarily because things went perfectly well this year, because I don't, I don't think anybody had a perfect year. I heard someone uh, say that in this world, it seems like joy is always in spite of something. In this world, joy is always in spite of something. It's not, I don't think it's because, you know, it's been a really good year. Because really, if we're honest with one another, more importantly, if we're honest with ourselves, 
you and I are a mess. We're a mess. We're imperfect. We're broken. We're a mess. And the reality is, all is not calm. All is not bright. Unless you consider the dumpster fire that the last few years have been calm and bright. It's kind of like the world is crying out, shouting from the roof. We are beat up, we are broken, and we are bruised. And, and the truth is, we're not being good, we're being bad. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Things get crazy. What you know, one human does to another human. We're being bad, and, and we don't know how to stop. And I think that kind of just sums up the last few years. Now, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not talking about doom and gloom, because God has been doing some good things in spite of everything else. It's nearly Christmas. And what I know, if you're anything like me, you want things to be different. We secretly, or not so secretly, want things to be different. But things are so uncertain. Families are in need. Relationships are being broken. People are losing jobs. Some are doing terrible things to one another. And, and, and we don't, we're not doing the things we know we should be doing. And that's just here at home, let alone talking about what's going on in the rest of the world. We have to admit that we are all sinners. We all sin. And we don't know how to stop doing that. I think we are, as one of my favorite Christmas carols says, oh, you know, oh, holy night. It says we are in sin and we are in error pining. We need a Savior. You and I, if we're being completely honest, we are pining, we are longing, we are desperate for someone to save us because we cannot save ourselves. We can't. No matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. How do I know that? Because I've tried. You've probably tried. And, and, and the truth be told, we've succeeded in a lot of things, if you think about it. We've created some incredible technology in general. We built cities. We, we, we developed software uh, and hospitals and smartphones. Do you realize this was a trivia question at my wife's Christmas party last night that we went to? What year was the iPhone first introduced? 2007. That's not that long ago. Everybody kept going 1980, 1990-something. 2007. We've created some incredible technology in some short amount of times. And, and we, listen, Artemis crash-landed after circling the moon. You know, that kind of that space nerd within me. 
Uh, we've explored other planets. We have a telescope that can see deep into the universe. We can even restart a human heart, but we can't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. So where are we to find salvation? Where can we find this hymn of joy? I want to read, I want to invite you to read along with me in your Bible in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bible, turn there. If you have your device with your favorite Bible app, click on it. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 57, a continuation of the Christmas story that we've been going through over the last couple of weeks. Um, I appreciate the patience. It's kind of a a lengthy passage, but uh, packed with so much of God's truth and wisdom. Verse 57, the birth of John the Baptist. says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight uh, eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony, and they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? There is no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. Remember, because Zechariah couldn't speak yet. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote down, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Notice he didn't start like, you know, getting mad at everybody who tried to make him change his name. No, he started praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And verse 67, this is Zechariah's song, song of praise, his prophecy. It said, Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Through his holy prophets long ago. Now we, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell His people how to find salvation. Take note. They will find salvation through forgiveness of their sin. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. 
you will tell his people how to find salvation. We meet Zechariah again today. As he gazes upon his newborn son, born to him, and remember it said, he was an old man, but his wife was well along in years. Born to an old man in old age. And he's overcome. He's overcome with joy. And not just any joy, but joy of the Lord. He knows that his new son John will prepare the way for Jesus, the Savior of all. And and what does he do? He breaks forth into a song. Not just a song, but a song of praise. And he says, you, John, will tell God's people how to find salvation through forgiveness. Through what? Forgiveness of their sins. So I might argue that all is not lost. All is not hopeless. John will tell God's people He will tell you and I, He will tell all of us how to find salvation. And you and I can praise God today for that fact. You and I can praise God. We can praise God today and every day for the salvation that inspires us to sing these sweet hymns of joy. Why? Because if you take anything home today, I want you to take this home. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Why? Why can we sing sweet hymns of joy? Because true joy comes from God's forgiveness. True joy comes from God's forgiveness. This salvation, this joy, is centered on the forgiveness of our sins. Notice it's not based on how you feel. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel like all is right in the world. So therefore, I have joy. No, it has nothing to do with your feelings and everything to do with God's forgiveness of your sin. True joy comes from God's forgiveness because you and I, as a follower, surrendering to Jesus, we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. When we acknowledge and turn from our sin, we can fully enter into this relationship with God. And all its joy. Because joy comes from God's forgiveness. There's a a Christian author. uh, She also wrote for Christianity Today. And in it, she tells the story of meeting a young woman in her church. Her name's Jill uh, Briscoe. The woman complained that she just didn't have any joy anymore. She used to be a, a, a very joyful person. But that had all changed. She just couldn't find that joy that she once uh, once had. And Jill Briscoe asked, what happened in your life that caused you to lose this joy? And the woman responded, I don't want to talk about that. I just don't want to talk about it. And then Jill asked, did anything change in your life? At that moment, the joy went away. And and after some hemming and hawing, the woman admitted that she had let a deep sin into her life. She allowed a deep sin to take up root and enter her life. And that's the point in which her joy began 
to fade. The truth be told, she had stopped living to please the Lord and started living to please only herself. And her joy was gone. And this is how it works. Listen. This is how it works. And, and it's a message that is written throughout all of Scripture. The joy of the Lord is offered and available to all, but to sustain it, to keep it, to allow it to live and thrive within us, we must follow Jesus and allow Jesus to direct our paths. That's why we completely surrender to Him. Because we know that joy, true joy, comes from God's forgiveness of our sin. So, one might ask as a result of that, so where does this forgiveness come from? Where, where does God's forgiveness come from? And I want you to listen to the conclusion of Zechariah's song in verse 78 and 79, where he says, because of what? God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us, lead us in the path of peace. Because of God's tender mercy. Because He loves us that much. Because of His great love and care and concern for each of us. The morning light of heaven is about to break upon us. And even though we might sit in darkness, we listen, we know what it is to be in darkness. We, we know what it is to face the shadow of death. We know what it feels like to have to deal with anxiety and fear and frustration. And, and, and we know what it feels like to have to work through or live in the face of uncertainty. We know that. And, and, you, and we also know that this time of the year, the Christmas season, usually is a magnifier, an amplifier of our emotions, good or bad. Yet Zechariah's prophecy remains true today. Jesus has come into this world. Jesus Christ has come into this world to bring light into those dark spaces of our life. And it isn't always amazing how easier uh, it is to follow a path when you have some light to see where your next step should be. My question for all of us here today is, do we long for this light? Do we hunger for this light? Do you really want this light? Are we desperate for this light? In, in 2010, an author wrote a book called Pilgrimage of a Soul, Contemplative Spirituality for the Active Life. And in it, she talks about when darkness sets in, like when it takes hold. And she said this, darkness, if you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. Darkness sets in long before we're old enough to even recognize it. It begins with anguish. Maybe we've been hurt. 
sometimes tragically, and we really don't know what to do with that injury. The safest thing seems to be to hide the pain, perhaps behind a mask. And what do we do? We seek to be safe by any means necessary. We learn to cope, and we achieve for ourselves a form of love, security, or power that the wounded part of us desperately needs. But these coping mechanisms actually rob us of fullness of life. To really thrive in life, our soul needs to be transformed. Not just once, but over and over and over again. So this Christmas, we celebrate. We celebrate that this is the time when God sent His own light into our world through Jesus Christ. And what did He do? He offered a pathway, a relationship with the one, the creator of the universe, who can lovingly take us out of the darkness of our sin. And there's a reason the Bible is so clear about light and darkness. It is because we are walking either in one or the other. We are either experiencing the joy of God's forgiveness through Jesus, or we are not. You cannot straddle the fence. And for those of us, for those of you who know Jesus, who have experienced the joy of His forgiveness, you also know that you are called to reflect His light to those around you. To live this life of joy in full view of those around you. Because those around you are those who still need His light. And for those of us who are still living in darkness, you know what God is doing? At this very moment, God is extending an invitation to you. He's inviting you to come and follow me, to worship me, to turn from your own ways, to to turn from your desperation, (laughs) turn from your anxiety, turn from your darkness, and turn from living in the shadow of death and follow Him. And as you do, continually seek and pursue Him. And I promise you, you will find joy. Continually pursue. Seek Him out. Pursue Him. Just like our life depends on it. Because it's not just our life that depends on it, it's our eternity that does. And you will find joy. Why will you find joy? Because of God's good mercy. He loves us that much. Because of God's good mercy, the light from heaven shines anew on us every single morning. 
no matter how much we mess up, when we repent of our sin, God's grace and faithfulness and forgiveness is so much greater. Because He loves us that much. Zacharias celebrated the fact that Jesus was about to be born. And we celebrate the knowledge that someday Jesus is going to return. And we can shout that from the rooftops and we can do what we sang earlier. We can go and tell it on the mountain because when you experience the joy of God's forgiveness, the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ, and you're truly transformed, here's the reality. You can't help but tell someone about it. Because it's impacted your life that much. One writer puts it this way. The great fruit of belief is joy. There is a God, there is a purpose, there is a meaning to things, and there is a, there is a big piece that you are a, and, and you are a part of it. God is good. Near Him is where you want to be. There is something called everlasting happiness, and the human imagination cannot encompass it. The joy of God is so large, it no longer is inside of you, but you are inside of it. You know, John 15 also tells us about the secret of this joy. And you may be surprised to find out that it's actually a love triangle. Jesus said that just as He remains in His Father's love, we remain in His love. You with me so far? And what happens? And our joy is complete. Jesus remains in the Father's love. We remain in Jesus. And our joy is complete. This is not an immediate, quick satisfaction concept. It's the idea of continual love and relationship with Jesus that brings the, this gift of unshakable, unbreakable joy into our life. And Jesus used the metaphor of a vine in the John 15 passage because He was describing a process of ongoing growth and ongoing nourishment that produces good fruit. And, and the same is true. The same is true in our relationship with Him. And our joy is made complete by imitating Christ's love, by imitating Christ's forgiveness, and through our obedience to our Lord. Three simple components to this joy that every single one of us truly desires. Imitating Christ's love, imitating His forgiveness to those around us, and being obedient being obedient to our Lord. 
Now, some of you may have noticed that over the last few weeks, including today, that all of my message titles are lines from my favorite Christmas carol, A Thrill of Hope. Last week was His Gospel is Peace. And this week's title is taken from a very powerful portion of my favorite Christmas carol. And it reiterates this. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. It says, And in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. O night divine. O night, O night divine. And in a moment, we're going to sing that song. And what I want to challenge, encourage you to do is open your heart to the hymn of joy. Open your heart to the hymn of joy, the joy of the Lord this Christmas. Let us turn individually and corporately together. Let's turn from our sin. Let's turn from our anxiety. Let's turn from our frustration. Let's turn from living in the shadow of death and experience the joy of God's forgiveness today. Let this season of Advent be a a time of gratitude and thankfulness, but not just being like thankful for what God has done in our life, but let's be grateful for who He is in our life And let this Advent time be a time of obedience as well, where we're remaining in His love as we anticipate His joy that He is bringing this Christmas. Can we do that today, church? For some of us, this lack of joy that we've been experiencing this season, it... All it may take is just you going, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to repent of making it all about me. And I'm going to surrender to you because I believe you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. And three days later, God raised you from the dead. That's it. And then believe believe I didn't say you have to understand everything just believe it believe it this Christmas because yes Jesus is coming back but Jesus is right here 